You're listening to Hey everyone, welcome back to First of All, a real unfiltered conversation on career, love, family, and all things modern culture. My name is Minji Chang, I'm your host. Welcome to my little virtual corner to hang with me and my featured guest. So excited to introduce in just a hot second. If you're new to the podcast, uh, this is where we're going to talk it all out, get some feelings out there, and you get to basically listen in on a conversation between me with me or me with a friend. So this week's topic is amazing. This week's featured guest is incredible, and I'm so (laughs) excited to dive right in. For episode 23, we have my dear friend, fabulous unicorn, Manager and producer Kevin Fong. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Minji. Hi. Hi. <laughs> right off the All bat. Right. <laughs> Bye, guys. Thank you for, for listening. <laughs> That's it. See you later. <laughs> um, thank you for being here and thank you for indulging me. We've talked about having you on this podcast for a hot second. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this week's featured topic, I wanted to talk about and actually get to know your story because I don't know this about you, mm-hmm. is your coming out story. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'm going to let you intro yourself in a second. I just kind of want to be your hype woman for a Sounds cool. A I'm all down for that. Yeah, I'm pretty good at it. Um, I met Kevin through the Asian American artist creative community, artistic and creative community Ooh. here in Los Angeles. Uh, we were both part of a community called We Own the Eighth. Mm-hmm. And Kevin used to work at a at a collective called The Great Company or like a space. Correct. Just a collective. Yeah, Is that the, it's a collective. Um, it. And uh, yeah, so that's where we got to connect. And it was just such a great community of folks where everyone is super ambitious, passionate, you know, out there and he's all these things. And then I've gotten to see him like take flight as a manager, yeah. working with artists, like helping them create their dreams and make it reality. And yeah, we just basically have the best time together. Oh, all the time. Minji. So that's my hype woman story on how I met Kevin. Mm-hmm. And how would you like to introduce yourself? Though? Well, I met Minji because I kept hearing there was this awesome, strong woman running collaboration. And I've heard nothing but great things about you. <laughs> and I was just like, we should hang out. And I think we just grab coffee yeah. or something. It was very natural. I was, like, I was just like, I got to know everything about her. And it's been a couple of years now, and I'm just excited to see where you're going to take off for 2018. Yeah. So. Also, side note, this could be another, I mm-hmm. would really like you to, I always, whenever I have my friends on this podcast, I'm like, so we're also going to do another episode <laughs> where we're going to talk about the- we'll Talk about boys. Yeah, yeah. Oh, all the things. Uh-huh. Um, the condo- Marie, Marie, Marie Kondo, Kondo yes. which is Kevin is a certified, literally certified oh. expert on how to minimize and declutter your life mm-hmm. with gratitude, yes. sparking joy. Yes. But that's not our featured topic. It'll probably come up here and okay. there. But um, yeah, let's just get right into it. Because cool. I, I don't know. I met you at a certain point in your life and we've mm-hmm. just gone 110 miles an hour, which mm-hmm. is great. But context-wise, why I'm so great airplane also side note another side note tangent we live at the burbank airport. yeah we Why live near the burbank airport here? and it's hot so i keep my window <laughs> open and unfortunately that was picked up a lot uh last episode so thank you everyone who who 
dealt with that. Um, but yeah, last week we talked about female sexuality and you know me, I'm just like, we always end up talking about relationships Mm -hmm. and, and boys and family and all that. And I feel like as Asian Americans, you know, I personally don't like only talking about that, but we would be, it would be silly not to talk about how all those intersection, all those intersectionalities you know, live in our lives. Right. And what I've seen within the Asian American community is that there's a lot of like still a lot of secrets and still a lot of like issues. There's a lot of problems dealing with that narrative, with that experience. And that's why I like, I'm just lucky that I grew up in the Bay and I now live in Los Angeles. So I get to like Mm -hmm. the benefits of being around amazing people, but the LGBTQ story and that experience, in my opinion, is still not addressed especially mm-hmm. as APA. So anyway, that's my context why I wanted to record this. Yeah. Thank you. I'm very honored to I guess share my story. Yeah. Um it wasn't until I moved to Los Angeles that I finally bonded with others that had a very similar story as I did. I never really knew any other gay Asians or gaysians as we call love um, <laughs> ourselves sometimes. It's never, ne- there was no community for it. And, and where then, were you growing up where there was no community? Um, mostly Vegas, I would say. You're Las Vegas. from Vegas? Yeah. Why did I think? 702. Shut up. <laughs> yes. Okay, I had no idea. See, yes. this is already mm-hmm. learning. Yeah. Well, my dad was in the Air Force. He was a major, so we moved around every three years. But most of like my growing up and where my where I remember having most of my friends was all Las Vegas. So it was like middle school, high school. That's like your prime. That's kind of where I like Pleasanton, which right. was so interesting for right. me to be like from the Bay, but it was a very white suburban area. Same. Yeah. And we have another plane, so thank you very much. <laughs> Fly Southwest. I don't know. <laughs> Sponsor me. <laughs> <laughs> Sponsor us, Southwest, please. Please. So okay, growing up in Vegas, mm-hmm. and so until LA, that mm-hmm. was just a not yeah. part of your life or um well for me I always knew like I always when did you know I always okay. wanted to know when did you know I knew from watching Power Rangers the very first season <laughs> I was like oh okay like Kimberly and Trini are cool but then there was like a scene where Jason the Red Ranger had to like oh, hi. bench press and he was wearing like a red tank top and I was like oh hi. something's happening like <laughs> For some reason, I'm paying more attention to Jason and Tommy than Kimberly and Trini. Oh so God, that's, and I think. How that's, old were you? I was like six. First okay. grade. First grade is like, I remember. And you crushing. I was crushing. I mean, I was crushing on boys since like preschool. Totally. Yeah. Totally. I don't know. I was just always just drawn to that, but I didn't know that there was like a word for it or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. It was just like a cute, like little. Self-awareness of like, oh, I like it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then I was always, it does seem stereotypical, but I was always drawn to just like, I was drawn to the pink Power Ranger, but not in the sense of like, I had a crush on her, but yeah. I was like, she got a bow. She's badass. <laughs> like pink is bo- Like she got like a skirt. <laughs> Like on her Power Ranger uniform. This is something deeper. Maybe the Power Rangers has something to do with everything in my life. I'm learning so much and I love it. Yeah, but there was something about that that I was all, always drawn to. And my mom, who practically raised me and taught me everything, I've always had like a strong bond with her. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember when I was little, I wrote something in like my journal or diary where I was like, I like Jason. 
Jason, the Red Power Ranger. <laughs> and then I think my mom saw it, and she was just like, "Who's Jason?" Da 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 da. And oh, she I, she yeah. confronted how? And you were? I was like first, second grade. Wow. And then I think for me, I was I didn't know exactly what it meant by saying I liked Jason. Yeah. But being confronted about it kind of scared me. Yeah. And I became very. Um, aware i started to become more aware of like how i had to act and everything and, and that it's not acceptable or like something that mom's not down with correct it's concerning because, for her because the way she did ask me was in more of a concerned tone yeah like i was in trouble uh-huh. so i think that was when i was just like okay there's something that i'm not i shouldn't say that i like jason or i like whatever yeah yeah and then as i became more as i grew up and became more like I gained a personality. I started acting like more of myself, quote unquote. Right. But myself necessarily wasn't as masculine or as into sports as most of my other friends. Yeah. I would say. Do you have siblings? Do you have siblings, right? Yeah. I'm yeah. the oldest of three. Yeah. Um, I saw your like throwback Thursday photo and you guys yes, are super cute and exactly. you look exactly the same. Ah! Just with a little bit more facial hair. Exactly. And that's about it. Uh, I had like hair. a mole, but that I got removed. Okay. Um, but other than that, yeah, stayed in Vegas. And then I kind of realized what being gay was more when, like, in middle school. Okay. Because I saw, like, two other, like, I think as a gay person, you kind of can feel out your gaydar is there. So you kind of know, like, oh, that guy's gay, that guy's gay, or that girl's a lesbian, whatever. You uh-huh. know, You're, you start to become more aware. And obviously, it's like, your body changes. Yeah. You're just like... Okay, that boy's cute. But I grew up in a very blessed time. I don't really have, like, a bad experience. I wasn't bullied to the extent where I needed to move to another city. That's or good. I felt like I needed to move schools. But um, were you bullied? Like, uh, Yeah, I did come across some bullying mostly in middle school because of the either the way, like, I sounded or the way I acted. Mm-hmm. And then... It just really kind of taught me, and I think a lot of other gay guys kind of go through this, is you kind of have this, like, double life. Yeah. Where it's, like, at home, maybe in your room, or the shows or shows you watch or the music you listen to, you feel like yourself. Yeah. But then when you go to school, you kind of put on this, like, fake, more masculine right. behavior. Or you say, like, oh, that girl's hot, or whatever. Right, right, right. But... And I feel like in that, to, and it's a very different experience but it's kind of like the adolescent thing where you're super you're just like completely lost you have your preferences but there's a kind of like a disconnect with the, the level of honesty you can have about it like for example I was like a total Britney fan but there's something so false about yes. her that I didn't want to ever tell people yes. that's such a stupid like mm-hmm. superficial example mm-hmm. but I never like outwardly acknowledged it and I always kind of like hate on her totally and just be like ew uh, you totally. know and just you know the persona everyone yeah. does it they have their like version of themselves that they project mm-hmm. And I just imagine, like, the level of concern that you're getting from, like, your parents or from outside sources, like, further deepens you burying that. Mm -hmm. Um, Because for me, and I talked about that in my Me Too story, kind of, but, like, I lived in... Thank you, Airplane. um, (laughs) I lived my version of a double life, like, being the... A very like oh yeah, what you were for your parents for my parents and, and church. church, and then what I actually what you, was yeah, exactly what had happened was mm-hmm. some not so good stuff. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, 
did you I mean so how did so then did I'm so curious because I think and and I say these say these things because for me my goal is with all the storytelling that we do mm-hmm. whether for me it's like being an actor and doing it in some like fictional narrative form or just straight up on a podcast which I love mm-hmm. um, I want it to help broaden people's horizons to understand deeper yeah. and then also be a gateway for other people who are dealing with those same struggles or that same level of like, I can't be myself because mm-hmm. what I am is a problem. Mm-hmm. I think personally, I think that's a very universal struggle. Yeah. Like whatever your version of that is. Totally. So did you like, how did you address that? Like you're the, especially, I'm sorry. It's like middle school and high school. Is the, it's the worst. The worst. It's the worst. <laughs> it's the worst. And if you think about it, it's something that can be very easily changed, yeah. but it does become this like, little mini universe where you feel you have this is the only way right. it can happen but for me I always kind of knew that middle school and high school were just um, stepping stones and there was always like light at the end of the tunnel I always, I always knew I was destined to not be to be better than the people who were making fun of me right. so to speak the dickwads yeah exactly <laughs> and I was this what was cool about me, I guess, was I did have, was more part of like the geek nerd anime community. Nice. So because I was already like an outsider, I wasn't trying to be like cool or the popular kids. It didn't matter to you as much. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And also the anime kids are already like nerds themselves and the stuff on anime is already more progressive back then. Uh-huh. Um, there were like gay characters or like just, you know, very forward thinking um, shows, I would say. Yeah. So the gay thing just didn't, just never came up, you know? I'm so. curious, like, what was your, so what would you watch alone at home? Like, what was your, you know, your real self when it came out in private? Mm-hmm. What were, I want to kind of picture the contrast of like your Oh, persona. Will and Grace. Okay. Will and Grace. Yes. Every Thursday at like 8.30 or 9. Jack! <laughs> yes. This is like, I don't care about yeah. Will. I care yeah. about Jack. Nine thir- nine, like 1999, 2000, I would honestly go in my room i would like close my door and it's like nine thirty nine or eight thirty on thursdays and i would watch and i would like laugh my ass off at like will and grace because i was like oh these guys are funny yeah and because they're funny you know it kind of breaks down these barriers and i think that's kind of i do like i give a lot of credit to will and grace because that's where i get a lot of my personality from is because those really helped define me it actually gave me like a lot of confidence if i ever met like the creators of will and grace or totally possible yeah or sean hayes or something i would probably cry i would be like thank you for for what i don't think they really understand how much that helped me yeah you know during that time and but yeah, I had a great group of friends. They were all girls. We all watched Will and Grace. It was just like a really <laughs> supportive thing. And then as I got older, it was like the whole metrosexuality thing was a cool thing. And then... Um, You're like, I can work that. Yeah, where, where the straight guy came on. So during high school, it was actually kind of cool to be gay. Yeah. So a lot of these straight dudes would come up to me and then they would like <laughs> be like, yo, do you like my girl skinny jeans? Or like, look at my faux hot. Like it would be very inclusive things and as I look back you're trendy it's like stereotypical to think that I'm really good at fashion which I wasn't if we look back at the photos (laughs) but you held your own it gave us something to like talk about right it didn't didn't really make me feel bullied and um, or like alienated at least like there's something that you guys can at least in a humorous like lighthearted way 
Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. And I'm a, I'm a few years older than you. And that's like, it, even in the language that was used, right? Like the word gay used to be. Oh, it's negative. It, it was a derogatory yes, term. It was like, yes. stop being gay. Exactly. And like, you don't think about that mm-hmm. until you're. Yeah. You're out of that and like that paradigm or whatever you want to call it. It was just, I was like, I said that. I mm-hmm. said that and it was so problematic. I had no idea what the hell I was saying. I yeah. was like 13 years old. Yeah. Well, and- for me, when that term became kind of popular, it uh-huh. always did like, I would laugh on the outside, but on the inside, it would kind of hurt because of in a way where it's like, oh, that's gay always meant like a negative thing. Yeah. Oh, you're acting gay. It's like, you're not acting like straight or masculine or something right. or you're being effeminate or being weak or something. Oh God, can't, this would so. so quickly evolve into like the fragile masculinity <laughs> totally, topic. Totally. Episode. So that kind of messed with me for a little bit, but, um, and yeah, then, I was always just trying to learn, like find something that I identified with. And yeah. Mostly it was like Will and Grace that kind of, that's amazing. Helped me through that. <laughs> I lo- and I love that show. It's great. Just and as a show, I mean, it's hilarious. And Jack and Karen give me so much life. Right? And they're back. Yeah. They're back. I know. I still reference the slapping. Yes. The over, over like, over, those over dramatic slap. So good. Uh, it's like, Karen. <laughs> so good. Yeah. And Megan Mullally is life. She's genius. Genius. Comedic genius. Yeah. So I'm grateful to that. And I, it's funny what people will reference in terms of, like, pop culture and how... Whether we like it or not, better or worse, it still provides an outlet. It still provides education mm-hmm. for things that we are not able to address directly, maybe with the people in our immediate totally. circle, right? Totally. Like the female sexuality when we were talking about just like how we learned about sex. It was not from our parents. Yeah. It was like bizarrely not from school. Like that's more of like the biological functions, but it's mm-hmm. not about intimacy. It's not yeah. about. You, I read, you said something like a band aid. Yeah, tape or something. Yeah, was that, like, was, that was like someone I know down deep south. Mm-mm. Like that's how they learn about sex. Gross. And so I'm grateful for you that that exists, and I'm glad that the conversation has changed so drastically. And I'm now I'm really curious, like how did the LA move further mm-hmm. liberate you, and how was that like? For and I'm curious to know how your parents dealt because like yeah. you are becoming more yourself, totally, and that's like. The shitty part of like parents dealing with teenagers, like, okay, attitude and rebellion. But also I imagine for like, are your parents like first gen? Are they from Asia? Yeah. My mom's from the Philippines. Um, My dad is like second, second generation. Okay. So the Fongs have been here for a while, but. It's still like. It's still new. Culturally. Yeah. Even if it's not even Americanized, like there's plenty of non-immigrant people who are like of that generation that is still highly problematic mm-hmm. with oh yeah anything related to lgbtq mm-hmm. so how did they deal with that how did you deal with that um i believe that all parents know yeah you, they do have an inkling they have an instinct and i mama knows mama my mom hella knew like probably <laughs> when i was like i love jason <laughs> like, like oh, she okay. probably knew but the way she would always talk about it um, I think just because it was the first time she confronted me, it was more concerned because uh-huh. I was so young. But as I've gotten older, she'd always drop hints and be like, oh, I had friends who um, were gay hairdressers. Or she would say that like she had cousins and uncles who were gay. And she would always just you know, say it with so much love. She's like, I don't care. I'm just, I want them to be happy, blah, blah. So that makes always, me so happy. Yeah. So for my mom... I never really had to come out. Uh huh. We she would we, she would just reference someone who was handsome or cute, and I would agree, and then that was it. 
you know. Oh. Um, but then for m- for my father, it was a little bit different. It was a little more tough because I think for dads. And as your firstborn, Yo. you want you have a very specific vision, right? Right <laughs> for your child, right? Um, for your firstborn yeah. son, and he confronted me in like high school because for the first time, my friends who I became really close with, she handed me this book, and it was called Rice, and it was about uh, it was a collection of stories about gay Asian American males. Wow, and. I, like, freaked out over that book. She was just like, I think this book is, like, is for you. I found it at a bookstore or whatever. What's a bookstore now? I don't know. But she <laughs> Where's handed, my Kindle? Yeah, exactly. She handed it to me, and I was just like, oh, my God. I actually identify with a lot of these essays and, po- like, all the poetry that was in it. Because it was like, I, I'm Asian, but I don't speak my native tongue. I only speak English. But you feel not strong you only feel you feel fetishized it was like i was like oh my god this is me layers oh my god and it like blew my mind yeah i've never because i've only seen on television like queer as folk will and grace like a very white male right pretty white male story right Um, and how old were you when you got like 16 okay 16 i was a baby and then my dad found the book Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. He found it and he like called me to my room. First of all, I don't know why he was in my room. And that you know when your parents just say say your name and you're just like, oh man, I'm in trouble. Yeah. Uh, like I went and I was like shaking and he saw the book and he was like holding it and he was just like, Are you gay? And I was like so so in shock. So in shock that I said no. <laughs> like I just said no. I mean, I that's a know. major freaking confrontation, man. I, like, I think I even blocked that memory out of my mind. Oh my mind. god, I'm like not trying to. Okay, you're in a safe <laughs> space, Kevin. I love you. Thank you. But yeah, but it it was a turning point for the both of us because I think then he finally actually really knew that maybe my story and path is going to be different than what he imagined. Yeah. And it has evolved now. We're necessarily him and he and I don't talk about it. Okay. But he really just wants me to be happy. That's you know. And my mom would relay information. She's like, he's okay with it. It's totally fine. Just he may not be as open with it as my mom is. Right. So Yeah. <sighs> I mean, that's like the the Cliff Notes version of it. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. I mean, there's just I, I'm sifting through a lot now that I'm, you know, grown and everything, um, addressing my own issues with my father. And then I think this like garbage dumpster of the last year Mm -hmm. of like everything kind of just felt like a trash can being turned over and we're like, let's deal with all this. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's why I feel more inspired to like, just talk it out Mm -hmm. and and be real. And for me, I... It's funny because I told you, like, I grew up really Baptist Christian, Mm -hmm. and I know that there was, like, a subliminal messaging. Like, I don't remember anybody really talking outright about gay anything. There was, like, some mildly homophobic thing that's just like, oh, that's in the Bible that that's a sin. But that's—it wasn't, like— it was more like technical than hateful, but then I've seen so—I've seen so many other examples of, like, homophobia and just— and, like, every time I see someone get really mad about it, like, mm-hmm. there's a difference between being, like, 
people are not comfortable with it and people being like hateful then i automatically go to american beauty i was like oh are you gay like yeah (laughs) i think that this is like touching upon a very sensitive thing for you like maybe you should think you know totally well as things have progressed it's not necessarily just like gay or straight anymore exactly it's like this whole spectrum and it's like things have changed tremendously in the last 10 years in a pretty short amount of time that like Yes. I think everyone's still just, like, trying to get their feet yeah. under them. Like, for me, and a lot of, maybe some people that are within the same age range as me, is when I was younger, I just never thought marriage was in my future. Okay. Just, like, through, honestly, up until I was 25, I was just like, oh, civil unions, oh, this or that. Like, I never, never, ever believed that I would get married, and it wasn't in my... Not something because I it was just about. not a possibility. Exactly. Or was- I just knew I was gay. I was just like, maybe I'll just find a dude and we'll just like live our lives. But, th- and that's why when like gay marriage became like a thing yeah. uh, over the last couple of years, now my whole mindset has like shifted where I'm like, wait, now I have the option to get married? This is like a new thing. And it's like fun and scary at the same time. But I'm like, do I have to get married now? Just because I can't. So many questions. Yeah. So do you want to? I don't know, actually. I don't well, know. Well, welcome to even like straight yeah. people. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Exactly. So I'm like, now do, did I want exactly all the pressures that mar- that comes with marriage? Because right. I hear all my straight friends talk about marriage. I'm like, that's a lot of money. <laughs> and that's, I was like, you're like, what? A lot that's of that's so much stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then me, I'm just like, mm, Rihanna. <laughs> Which is like why not, you're my yeah. safe haven from all of that <laughs> crap. Yeah. Because it's a lot. I mean, that's, and it, it, it's so funny because, like, I just realized by, honestly, well, I grew up in the Bay, and I feel like I've just been around LGBTQ mm-hmm. forever because of, like, San Francisco, yeah. period. And, but then I, but then living in Pleasanton where, like, our senior VP, no, I was senior, no. Junior, <laughs> I'm a junior VP. Our junior class president, he's gay, okay. but and he's an amazing dancer. He freaking was like on Broadway, did What's Lion King. <laughs> like, is he seeing anyone? Can I Facebook stalk him? <laughs> he was amazing, but he got bullied a lot. Mm. Um, even like they made fun of him in our homecoming skits. Wow! Like they made him the fairy. Gotcha. Which was like. I was so pissed because I was defending him. And I was mm-hmm. like, you're just fucking jealous because he can move and you can't. Yeah, and like, yeah, da 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 But then, like, all of this. And that was, like, that was that my generation, which is a little bit older than you, like, a few years older. And then just watching how that has evolved, even just, like, by Facebook, like, mm-hmm. how people would interact. But the way my friend came out and the way he kind of, like, embraced who he is mm-hmm. because he would, would deny and he had like a really hot girlfriend. Gotcha. Um, and he'd do all these things to like him and other people too. There's another guy. They would like do the extra mile to like mm-hmm. prove mm-hmm. how masculine yeah. they were. Um, I feel some, like, I don't know his family situation, but he probably also had to do the same thing at home. Right. Probably, you know, for me it was like, I can kind of be myself in my room. Yeah. And then, but on the and the outside world, it was like something completely. Different. And then when you come out for dinner, like yeah, you're, exactly, exactly. It's exhausting. It's, a, it's very mentally exhausting. And as if I when I look back at like photos of myself, if I could tell, give myself advice, I'd be like, girl, it doesn't matter. Like just push. Like you're you're already like seventy five percent there. Yeah. Like you already got that conf. Like it's there. Just like push through. Yeah. You know? Which I think um, you did ultimately. You know, it's like it's different because. 
again, depending on the time and place of where you are, mm-hmm. because I would imagine like being in Vegas as opposed to like Mississippi yeah. or whatever, mm-hmm. right? And like that's me. again, I don't know life in Mississippi. It's just my assumption, yeah. Because what I what I see and what I hear and whatever, mm-hmm. um, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. It's very very heartbreaking. It destroys me because I do not identify with that struggle, but mm-hmm. I know what the struggle feels like to feel like everything that I am is a problem. Mm-hmm. Like everything me, you say, act and do, yeah. listen to how you stand, yes. how, how you dress. Yeah. It's something that, um, some, as some gay guys come out and hopefully this doesn't happen anymore. It's like you overanalyze every little movement that you do it's taxing and draining Very taxing. Like, it helps what? as an actor it gives right? me a lot of like because i had a problem because i wasn't just like dainty enough as a girl mm-hmm. like i i was really girly in certain ways i love boys i love like the idea of being a mom and i was very yeah. like m- like maternal and like certain things about me were very very girly but the rest of me was like total tomboy gotcha. i'm very like loud and outspoken and yeah. for me i was just like always wrong mm-hmm. like Stop talking like that. Change your tone of voice. Why do you say right. these things? Da, 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 da. Walk be- more like a girl. Like, mm-hmm. I have two brothers. Leave me alone. <laughs> and, like, it's just, it was so problematic. But in any case, again, like, those are, it's it's universal and it's a shared struggle. But it's also apples and oranges. Mm-hmm. And for me, I, you know, what would make me happy, especially just for me as Korean American, I know that Korea has had a lot of issues with addressing that and they're becoming wildly progressive really quickly but there still is resistance totally and so that's the interesting th- thing for us as asian americans like having kind of like a motherland where it still influences our identity yes. here yes um do you feel that like with is is i actually don't know what it's like in like the philippines mm-hmm. or like how they're um addressing it embracing it i would say if you are Filipino, you know a gay guy. <laughs> you have a cousin or some friend. There is a lot of, for some, and I don't know, there's just a lot of gay Filipinos that I know of, um, myself included. But I do think when you ha- have the gay identity issue in America, on top of that being a gay Asian, yeah, it's, I kept thinking that my piece of the pie within the American dream kept getting smaller. Yeah. And I was just like, well, how how can I find happiness, but I have all these negatives, quote unquote. Yeah. That's not um, helping me move forward with what I feel is in the mainstream. Mm-hmm. You know? It took a lot of many, like a lot of years for me to kind of fight for that. Yeah. But it's... It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't until I moved here I was just like, okay, there's other people. There's this unspoken um, bond that I get when I'm hanging out with other Gaysians. You know, we can laugh and we can cry about the silliest shit. We can hate on white people. We can love on white people. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's, it's everything. You yeah. Know? And that, I feel like that support is like priceless. Mm-hmm. You can't, mm-hmm. having solidarity or feeling like somebody genuinely understands you. Totally. Is like totally. priceless. I mean, my cousin a few years ago from Korea said, like, oh, there's no gay people in Korea. Mm-hmm. And I was like, uh, do you watch yeah. TV? Do you yeah. listen to music? Because they're all... Exactly. Like, what? Exactly. So that level of denial and, like, that's the part I have issue with. Like, everyone has their reasons why. And, you know, that's not me to, here to, like, criticize. I'm really just kind of speaking, trying to speak into existence what I would like. And I would like for people to genuinely... 
be at peace with themselves. And that comes at a very big mm-hmm. price sometimes when you have all these like barriers totally stacked against you. And some people have bigger, stronger, more like hostile barriers mm-hmm. than others. Mm-hmm. And that, that kills me. It sucks. So, but like also you being yourself, like you make me so happy and you, (laughs) I've learned to be more myself. Yeah. I was like, who is Kevin Fong? And then I was like, (laughs) each year I'm like, am I getting closer to Kevin or further away from it? And I think each year I do get closer and closer. Oh, totally. I would judge that even by your hair. Ah, (laughs) Every year is like different. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, this is, I'm committing to this for six months, but I feel like all those outward expressions help identify you yeah you know they they're a manifestation of like your your personality your Mm -hmm. style your preference yeah and i'm glad that you have a safe space and people that you love and you feel supported around here yeah uh i learned a lot of like how to navigate the lgbt world through rupaul's drag race and it's like if you can't love yourself how in the hell are you gonna love someone else you know so that's just something i'm trying to apply Always. Yeah. Yeah. And like decluttering my life. Oh, you let me know when you want to do part two. Minji and I did the first stage, which is clothes, and it was ridiculous. I think you had the biggest pile pile of clothes. I'm not surprised. Throughout my entire It is. It is a symbolic um, representation of all the things that I hold on to. There was a lot of stories. There were a lot (laughs) of stories, and there were tears. And I have since let a lot of that stuff go, and this podcast is another way of letting my thoughts just go into the universe, hopefully land somewhere and do mm-hmm. something positive. And um, I'm very curious, Kevin, so what, given your story and everything that you're becoming mm-hmm. in terms of like career and as, as a creative person and as an individual dating all these cute boys, ah. how would you, like, what is your... Your wish slash advice to others who are maybe like the younger version of you or oh, like your peer. It, it doesn't fucking matter and no one cares. <laughs> like, at the it. end of the day, if you're going to go for something, no one's in your way. If you feel someone is, then just pivot a little bit or maybe like find it. F- there's always another route to get to how you want to get there. Um, but at the same time, fuck all the rules. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. Um, we always think we have to have this like cookie cutter way to get to where we want. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to let that go tremendously. And I just hope I can inspire another gay Asian American dude, um, to kind of go for what they want. Mm-hmm. There's, and within our own little community, there's our own little prejudices about who's more feminine than the other or who's... It's a very How weird harsh dynamic. is that? I feel it's like... It's pretty harsh. Really? <laughs> yeah. Gay guys can be the most judgy. Oh. I'm very judgy sometimes. Um, Based on what I want to know. Well, the thing is, within the gay community, still, for some reason, being macho bro or as straight as possible, if you're straight acting, apparent that there is um, a lot of attractiveness oh that if you are a straight acting gay guy guy? yeah they think it's hot some people find it attractive okay and for some reason still the more feminine you are yeah um it's not as attractive you know interesting Mm -hmm. i've learned to let that go i'm learning there's a lot of attractiveness within um 
guys who are more comfortable with their feminine side. Right. Than trying to put on a show and be like, yo, I'm a bro, but I'll, like, take you to (laughs) pound town. (laughs) (laughs) And the dating scene, you know, oh, I'll say that's, I think that's excellent advice. And second question is, or, like, I've already asked you a thousand questions, but... Question more. X is how how would you advise them to like if they're new to the dating scene or finding somebody that's like that's actually really good advice to know that there there are these like different expectations and all these like judgments mm-hmm. again everywhere you go doesn't matter what you right. identify with uh, yeah. judgments and, I do and, feel that's why the gay community and straight women get along so well is because we do we're up against these men who keep thinking that we have to be or act a certain way, we have mm-hmm. to dress a certain way, we have to sound a certain way, and it's just like, fuck you. <laughs> like, why are you telling me what a gay guy should look like right. or sound like or act like? I'm like, uh, And that's the, no like, way. epitome of attractiveness. Like, there's, no. Yeah, yeah that drives me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to articulate that. I'm trying to explain that. And I'm also over, like, trying to do it nicely. Mm-hmm, <laughs> if I mm-hmm. get mad, I just let myself get mad. That's also, like, 2018 Ooh, version okay. of myself. Okay. Because, like... That's sexy. Why? Save that for the bedroom, <laughs> she? <laughs> well, well, it, it'll it'll come out as it, as it needs to. I I'm bet. just trying to be a little bit more unapologetic, and I think that totally. It's, totally. it's good just to be honest. Mm-hmm, I'm mm-hmm. not trying to attack people, but if I have issue with it, like... Gotcha. I don't always have to water it down. Mm-hmm. So so for somebody who's uh, figuring out dating, because that's apparently a really hot topic of my podcast, mm-hmm. the dating episodes do mm-hmm. really well in terms mm-hmm. of people tuning in. Um, how would you, what are like a couple pieces of advice, like how to approach dating? Is it the same thing? Well, like for gay nobody, guys? Nobody, oh, we're the worst. <laughs> gay guys are the worst. I'm all about casting a wide net. Well, I, f- I feel like, the gay community kind of started this whole um, finding someone online type of thing uh-huh. because we had to do things very hidden. Right, right, right. Things behind the scenes. We couldn't do place things on like a newspaper ad or we couldn't, you know, there weren't as many bars or public right. places to meet people. Right. So where do we turn to? The internet. And yeah. they, honestly, I've been like going on gay um, networking sites since I was like in middle school, you know, really? just trying to find that there were other people out there since middle school. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So there's a whole bunch. They obviously don't exist anymore, but I think that's where I first experienced the whole, uh, no Asians okay. type of profile. I don't know if that's happens within your dating community, but like Gay guys will literally on their profile put no blacks, no Asians, no femmes. They will distinctly say who they're not attracted to. And at the end of the day, if you say no blacks, no Latinos, no Asians, then who are you interested in? <laughs> Only white people. Like it's right. so toxic and it just Like has you might as well just put whites only. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Or um, there have been times where I would mes- message a dude and he'll, his first response, I'm not into Asians. And it's happened and it like has definitely like messed with me throughout wow. most of my dating like stuff. There were times where I would kind of like put a hat on to kind of cover my almond shaped eyes. Oh my so, like, god! Yeah, it like messed with me. So as it messes with a lot of Asian men in a lot of different ways exactly. of like in the world. Exactly. But that's like extra. Li- I mean, because it's just so in your face. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was like, you didn't even know my name. <laughs> like I, I liked the things, the hobbies that you like. Like, 
So that's such a like brutal yeah scene. But mm-hmm. you're but would you say it's really different now, or is it pretty much the same? But there's like more. I think we're more more open oh, to more it, open. Um, and it's way more easy to find other gay people within your area. Right. There's so many other apps. There's a lot. Trust me. So do you think we're on a good path? Because kind of like the cultural place that we're at, I think for us, again, we we get to benefit off, like for me as an Asian female, I feel the safest and more most myself when I'm in like an urban area, when mm-hmm. I'm in a bigger city, mm-hmm. when I go different places, I travel across the U.S. There's yeah. certain places where I feel definitely more out of place and I don't know, mm-hmm. you know, if I walk into a restaurant, do these people, like, what do they exactly. think slash assume? Is it safe to interact with men? Like, yeah. and that might be going an extra, like steps extra, but that's just my reality. And given like the climate of everything, the cultural, societal, political, everything, mm-hmm. do you feel like, do you feel hopeful? Do you feel like we're on the right track? Do, what, what work do you, would you like to see done in terms of like making people more fucking accepting? Uh, and I, two years ago, humans? I was very hopeful. Um, <laughs> this last year and moving into 2018, what, what I realized is, you know, there's still a lot of more work to be done. Yeah. And America is now not as this be- big, beautiful, shiny, emerald city that I had once thought it was. Yeah. I still believe that it still can be that. For sure. But I think there's st- there's definitely a lot more work, both like in representation for Asian Americans, LGBTQ, both. It's yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's overwhelming at times. But I can only focus on, like, one thing at a time. For sure. So if I can affect those around me first, I do feel that it can hopefully become infectious. And I just want to spread as much love as possible. You totes do. So. You give me life. Mm -hmm. Honestly, for the record, Kevin's given me so much positivity and, like, (laughs) confidence to, like, Beyonce the shit out of my life. You should. It there's so many self-imposed things that with limitations and they're they're based in reality it's not some like delusional thing it's also mm-hmm. like when i when i talk about these things of fears and anxieties and limitations like yeah ultimately they're self-imposed and i agree with everything you're mm-hmm. saying like well, fuck the rules and just do you but at the same time there are some bigger threats that are very real like mm-hmm. honestly like for example i wanted to do a youtube channel back in the day but just hearing comments and seeing them myself of other girls who did YouTube channels and seeing like the rape threats and like just getting comments on anything but the content they're actually talking about. It's just like how they look and if they're too skinny or too fat. Like I literally was like, I don't want to deal with that. So I shied away from it. And you know, you just got to keep going. There's everyone has their, their thing. But, um, I say like, it's for me, I'd like to make my fears, my friends. I want to face them so that like, okay, yeah, I was scared of you. I was scared mm. that you would judge me or that you would think I'm not feminine enough or whatever, that I don't represent women because I'm not wearing a dress all the time. Yeah. Whatever. Like, I would have these thoughts. And I'm trying to shed those things. Nice. And I'm so, all for it. Please yeah. do more of it. You're inspiring me. Just you sip inspire- it on my tea. I'm <laughs> literally drinking tea. He's guys. literally drinking tea out of my darling cup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Should say something else. Oh, I love you. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank for you. For episode one of K 
Kevin Fong oh, because God. we're going to have so many more. <laughs> we need to talk about decluttering our lives yes. and sparking joy. Mm-hmm. Um, also, if you are in the greater Los Angeles area and you need to declutter your life, yes. uh, cannot recommend Kevin more. <laughs> and that was right before I moved too. So it was like so timely. Good. good. Anyway, um, this is us decluttering our souls right yes, now. Yes, please. Yes. And spark joy wherever you go. Kevin, if people want to find out more about you and look at your amazing oh, Instagram God. stories, <laughs> your Instagram stories are so funny. I cannot. They're actually stories, you guys. They're such you're make good a story, stories. Make a story. You use all Be the honest. emojis in the best way. And all your, all your um, <laughs> selfies where you're like laughing. Yeah. I, oh, I die. Ha-ha-has. It makes me yeah. so happy. So anyway, where can people find you? Uh, mostly Instagram. Kevin. K-E-V-Y-N. With a Y. Yes. Kev, at Kevin? At Kevin. Yeah. K-E-V-Y dot N. Okay. That's it. That's it. Dot N. pop up. Sweet. Um, and definitely, you know, keep up, keep us up to date when we, when you come back because you're working, Kevin's working with a lot of great artists and building his mm-hmm. career as a manager and a producer. Yeah. And there's big things pop in soon. Oh, shit. Oh. I think it's just hilarious that me as like a gay Asian dude, most of the p- artists I represent are straight Asian dudes. I'm like, why am I representing the smallest, <laughs> the, most, the one that needs love the most in Hollywood? Mm-hmm. But I was like, hey, this is amazing. Guide them, please. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> please guide them. Um, and they're very lucky to have you. Oh, thank you. So uh, if you'd like to support this podcast, please go to patreon.com slash first of all podcast. If you'd like to become a patron and help me not have airplanes. In the yeah. <laughs> we'll get some of those eggshell things. I apologize. Yeah. I'm trying to get one of those portable sound studios. Oh, cute. You know what I'm saying? Cute. Romantic. And I will, I will decorate. We'll declutter that as well. And uh, follow First of All Pod on Twitter and Instagram at First of All Pod. And shout out to the Potluck Podcast Collective, uh, which is a collective of Asian American podcasters and storytellers. Very proud to be part of that group. And thank you guys for all the love. Um, Please subscribe and leave a five-star review. If you enjoyed this podcast, please check out the other episodes. You can find First of All Pod... First of all, podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Radio Public, Spotify, and everywhere you find podcasts. And Kevin's just going to keep sipping on his tea while we Mm -hmm. hang out. And you can find out more about him in future episodes. So please subscribe. And thank you to Marvin Ewing, my audio engineer and producer, um, who's helped me all this way. 23 episodes strong. Oh, Marvin. Oh, Marvin. And shout out to Aquafina for use of her song, Yellow Ranger. She's amazing. She made a song called Yellow Ranger. Kevin. Oh, my God. Where have you been? Okay, we are listening to it as soon as this is done. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And, and, uh, yes, she's amazing. Thank you to everyone tuning in. Love you so much. Go be a light in the world. Go be happy. Be joyful. Fight the good fight. And I'll see you next, or talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. I got this all up on my LinkedIn. Proficient in spitting, turning red when I'm drinking. Emancipating pussy like I was Abe Lincoln. Squirting out that Kool-Aid till I just sink it, sink it.